Welcome to Lasting Truth, a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel, Sweet Hills, in Banning, California, where Pastor Ryan Hussein teaches the entire Word of God, chapter by chapter, verse by verse, giving our listeners the opportunity of receiving the full counsel of God. In today's program, we are studying the book of 1 Corinthians, chapter 11. Here's Pastor Ryan. So, the Apostle Paul, as you know, is lovingly uh, exhorting the church that he planted in the city of Corinth. The Corinthian church uh, is in the midst of great uh, immorality, sexual immorality of every kind. Uh, It was a place where philosophy was worshipped, the wisdom of man, humanism. We have all the answers Who is God or who are the gods? Well, it was in that setting of all that immorality that this church was actually thriving in. And he had had been there four years prior, but he's instructing them because they did some things well, but they did things that were not so well. And so at times in this letter, he would commend them. And at other times, he would exhort them, uh, admonish them, and even rebuke them. And so in today's study, it's one of those... uh, rebukes that we read here in verse 17 he says now in giving these instructions to uh, instructions i do not praise you since you come together not for the better but for the worse for first of all when you come together as a church i hear that there are divisions among you and in part i believe it for there must also be factions among you that those who are approved may be recognized among you. And so he begins with saying to them, and the instructions I'm giving you now, which he's given them instructions throughout the book, but in these instructions in particular, I don't praise you. I don't commend you. In the beginning of the chapter, he did commend them. He did praise them. It says in verse 2 of this chapter, Now I praise you, brethren, that you remember me in all things and keep the traditions just as I delivered them to you. And so, again, at the beginning, he praised them because the Corinthian church were keeping to some of his traditions, some of his instructions, um, but in other areas they were not. And this is one of them. He says, look, I, I've, you know, when, when you come together, he says, you come together not for the better, but for the worse. Why? For first of all, when you come together as a church, I hear that uh, there are divisions among you. And I like that he says, I hear that there are divisions among you. In other words, somebody told them. And, and he's not praising them because when the church was coming together, they were divided. There was division going on. And, and so, but he heard about it. And in chapter one, it says that I've heard that in Cleo's house, there's a division. Cleo must have told Paul, which is a good thing. And in this chapter, Paul is, uh, God, or in this portion of scripture, God is dealing with that very, the very thing of church division. And, um, you know, as I was meditating on this, and even as I was driving here, I heard that song, you know, uh, uh, the song came on, the worship song came on in my car. He is jealous for me. Right, love's like a hurricane. I am a tree. You know, he is jealous for me. And then, as we sang in first service, you know that great is his faithfulness towards me. And the little spirit spoke to my heart: how jealous God is for his bride, how much he loves 
his bride, the church. He is jealous for his bride as any husband is careful and concerned and cautious about their wives, that nobody messes with them. And God is not jealous for his bride as an immature kind of high school, you, you know, <laughs> why don't you love me kind of thing. It's more like, I'm jealous for you that you're putting other things first above me, and if you put anything above God, it will hurt you. You have any other, any idols before you. So the jealousy is more for our spiritual concern. God is jealous for our spiritual concern, right? As husbands are jealous for their wives, for their spiritual uh, concern. And so he says here that uh, I have heard, right? I hear, for first of all, when you come together as a church, I hear that there are divisions among you. And in part, I believe it, for there must also be factions. And so the word divisions in the Greek is schisma or schisma, where we get the word schism, right? And a schism means to split or to gap, to make a gap. When there was there was smooth road, now there's a gap. Now there's a space. If you see a bridge, if there's a gap, Boom, people fall, right? So the bridge should be like this. So God wants his church like this, but splits cause a gap. Now there's a hole when there wasn't one. There's a split where there wasn't one. That's what divisions or schism means. It means to rent or to tear, to tear from. And so he's saying, I hear that there are divisions among you, and in part I believe it. And he says, for there must be factions. And factions is is where we get the word uh, heresy from. So the Greek word is uh, heresis, which is translated to heresies, which means a dis- dissensions, dissensions arising from diverse opinions and aims. Any opinion or any action contrary to the word of God is heresy. And when we think of a heretic, we think of like maybe a church or a Maybe a, a pastor who's preaching some off doctrine, not adhering to the word of God. But we can be heretical on minor levels when we behave or have an attitude or live in such a way that is contrary to the word of God or have an opinion that it diverts. It's not like the way Jesus wants us to live or to be or to think. It's heretical. And so that's what was happening here. He says, man, I do not praise you since you come together, um, not for the better, but for the worse. No matter what we do as a church, whether going to Mexico on the outreach, whether having our potluck, whether having barbecues in our homes, birthday parties we celebrate, All of those things that we do, prayer meetings, men's Bible study, women's Bible studies, whatever, all of those things are meant to build us up. They're meant to strengthen the body of Christ so that God from heaven says, I see my bride that when you come together, you're building each other up. But in the Corinthian church, there was divisions and factions. They were turning their little birthday parties and their little barbecues and their times together, church events not to build unity, but to cause dissension. They were they became a, a place for some believers to begin to complain against the church, complain against their brethren, complain against leadership. And this is what was happening. You know, in this portion of Scripture, it's amazing. 
this very day, you believe God is sovereign? You believe that his word is sharper than any two-edged sword and it cuts the heart? So we believe God's sovereign. That means that before I was born at the Queen of Angels in Echo Park in Los Angeles, God knew that on this Sunday, this church needed this message. That's how the Spirit moves. You almost think, what? God is so in love with this church. That's all it says. God intended church gatherings to be a place where we get built up, not a place to complain about brethren or the church. It causes tears and gaps in the church, and God hates that. Do you know that God hates that? God doesn't want us to be complainers. God doesn't want us to be grumblers. God doesn't want us to gossip about each other. And that's like child high school stuff. In Proverbs chapter 6, verse 19, if you read Proverbs 6, it says seven things God hates. The shedding of innocent blood and other things. It's a big anti-abortion verse, right? But it also said one of the things that he hates is one who sows discord amongst the brethren. One who sows discord among the brethren. He hates that person, that action. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, we're told about the world and how the world would be in the last days. And it has crept into the world, no doubt. In 2 Timothy uh, chapter 3, Verse 1 through 7, it says, But know this, that in the last days perilous times will come, for men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, bolsters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power. And from such people turn away. For this sort are those who creep into households and make captive of gullible women loaded down with sins, led away by various lusts, always learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. I like that it says that they go after gullible women. Eve was deceived, not Adam. The devil's still coming after the women. Husbands, watch your wives, love your wives. Don't let the enemy mess with them. Any husband here who doesn't read the word to their wife frequently, you are sinning in the sin of omission. God calls you and I to wash our wives with the word of God. It helps them from acting crazy. It helps them from acting by emotions. It helps them from being solid to being able to discern. We need to cover them, men. We need to cover them. We need to wash them with the word. Wives, you have to submit to your husbands and let them wash you with the word. 
And if you're here and you're single, you don't have a spouse, you need to wash yourself with the word, my brothers and sisters, so that you're not taken by feelings and emotions and get afraid of everything. No, God calls you to be strong in the faith, strong in the power of the Lord and his might. So it comes by the reading of the word. You don't have to be a pastor to do it. All husbands are pastors of their home. You read a psalm, you read a little part of the chapter in the gospel, and your wife becomes strong. Because the enemy will come at them. Just like it says in the last days, perilous times will come. There's going to be headstrong, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, which means disobedient to to authority. They're going to be unthankful, unholy, not cool, not loving, not all about self. That's what the world is going to be in the last days. And it creeps into the church. And within the church, it is our job as, as the bride of Christ to be able to discern and to exhort and rebuke those who come in with complaining and dissension, sowing seeds of dissension. It's up to you. And I believe that whenever a complainer comes to you, that it is a test from the Lord to see if you're going to love him over your friend who's complaining. It's a test for both people. And, and, and we'll get into how to deal with that. But turn with me to Jude. And I want to read... Uh, something uh, it is that it just relates to this as well. It's right before Revelation. You know that's not at the front of your Bible. Jude. And get to verse 16, please. Remember that those who cause factions, that's where our word Heresy comes from, or heretic comes from, or apostate, or apostasy. Same thing, it's the coming away from acting the way Jesus would have us to act, living the way Jesus would have us to act, or, or, or having an opinion that wants to go against what the Word of God says how we should be living. It says in verse 16 about the, the last days, again, these are grumblers, complainers, walking according to their own lusts, and they mouth great swelling words, flattering people to gain advantage. But you, beloved, remember the words which were spoken before by the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ, how they told you that there would be mockers in the last time who would not, who would walk according to their own ungodly lust. These are sensual persons who cause divisions, not having the spirit. And so the warning's there in the last days. There's going to be grumblers and complainers. We can't let it creep into the church. we got to just seek the Lord and handle it. How do we handle it? Well, in Titus chapter 3, verse 10 and 11, it says, Reject a divisive man after the first and second admonition, knowing that such a person is warped and sinning, uh, being self-condemned. And so, when someone comes to you with a complaint about a brother or a sister, you tell them lovingly, you need to stop what you're telling me about that brother or sister, and you need to go to them yourself. That is the godly thing to do. Anything against, other than that, is heresy. And then they come again, you do it a second time, admonishment, admonishment, them the second time and if they don't reject them that's how you handle it it's okay to have complaints but you should go to your brother and sister about them not to everybody else that's just gossip 
And it's always cloaked in Christianity. It is never, and I've been doing this for a while now, it's never with horns and a tail, wings, and a pitchfork, and flames. It's always like, oh, share with me. Oh, I care about you. I love you. Put your head on my shoulder and tell me all that you have to say about this brother or sister. Oh, 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 I'll pray. Yeah, I'll pray. Tell me more. Yeah, I'll pray. It's cloaked in Christianity. That's, it's demonic, guys. Satan comes as an angel of light. He doesn't come all, you know, it's deceptive. It's a form of godliness, but it's a lie. We've all gossiped. We've all listened to gossip. We've all dropped the ball. We've all sinned. Lord, forgive us. But there's a reason why this is in the word today on this Sunday. Because God is doing a mighty work, I believe, at our church, in our, in, in the past area, in the surrounding cities. I think, I believe this place is going to blow up. And I'm not saying that like an eagle thing. I just sense the spirit is moving. But if he's going to be able to bring people, we better have mature people to stop gossip immediately. It's over. We're not in high school or in junior high school anymore. You got a problem with my sister or my brother? Here's their number. Here they are. Talk to them. And to stop it. Why? Because God sees. And it's so immature and it's wicked. And he wants us to know this so that we deal with it. About complaints, Colossians chapter 3, verse 12 through 13, Paul says, Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another and forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, you also must do. If you have a complaint, think about yourself. Think about a solution. Don't think about gossip. Jesus said in Matthew 18, 15, moreover, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. Right? It's an A and B conversation, so some folks should see their way out of it. <laughs> I'm glad you got it, Alex. This is what the Lord says. You got problems with your brother? Go to him. You got problem with your sister? Go to your brother or sister and tell him or her their fault between you and him alone. If he hears you, you have gained your brother. But there's so many people in the body of Christ who don't do that. It does not apply to them, that, those sections in the Bible. I don't understand how people can you know, praise the Lord and get in the ministry and all kinds of religious activity, but in their heart, they just sow seeds of dissension. And it's for a lot of reasons, man. People come in with different trips, but we all are guilty. We all come before God. God, heal our, our trips. Heal these, this, this, this need for me to be somebody. You died naked on the cross for me. I should be happy that I'm going to heaven. Rejoice not that the demons are subject to you, that you can heal people and cast out demons in my name. Rejoice that you're going to heaven. So many people, it's all about like me, myself, and I. 
grumblers and complainers, never content, never happy, always seeking for the next best thing. In 1 John chapter 2, verse 9 through 11, he says, He who is in the light and hates his brother is in darkness until now. He who loves his brother abides in the light, and there is no cause for stumbling in him. But he who hates his brother is in darkness and walks in darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. So someone who comes, you know, complaining to you about the church or your brother or your sister, you know, be careful. Understand what the scriptures say. He may be, she may be blind in a, in a state where she's spiritually, he's spiritually not in tune with God like they should be, not content, and they're just going to use you to just vomit on. And if you receive that and you're, it's like, like I taught the kids on, on Friday at the beach. I said, can, the, Jesus said the parable, can, can, uh, can the blind lead the blind? And the answer, of course, is no. So the blind comes to you with the gossip, with the complaints, with the grumbling. And then are you going to be blind like them? Or are you going to add light to the situation and say, brothers, you got to go. It's not, you got to go talk to him. And you live your life blessed. And God's like, boom, I saw that. You were down for my bride because I'm jealous for her. I'm jealous for my bride. He is. He loves us. and He's jealous for his bride. There's hope for all of us. The disciples were arguing about who would be greatest in the kingdom of God. Right before he went to the cross, it's still all about them. All of them would die except for John the Beloved. All of them would be killed for Jesus. Who wants to sign up for the martyr ministry? Oh, no, no, I don't want the martyr ministry. I want my name in lights. I want people to know who I am. That's, that's in people's hearts, trust me. Trust you me it is. If one is not called to be before people and they try to put themselves before people, they would rather have a bullet in their head, I'm telling you. It is the worst this right here is scary. This is holy ground. This is between God and me. And there's a lot of responsibility behind this. But there are people who just want to be known as spiritual leaders. I, I can care less. I'll do anything for Jesus. Anything for him. Wouldn't you? I know you would. Anything. And learn to be content in that. That's what God desires. And when he sees that humility, the Bible says that if you humble yourself, he will lift you up. Jesus said to them in Matthew 18, verse 1 through 5, At that time the disciples came to Jesus saying, Who then is greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Then Jesus called a little child to himself, set him in the midst of them, and said, Assuredly I say to you, unless you are converted and become as little children, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever humbles himself as a, this little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Whoever receives one little child like this in my name receives me. Last night I was watching a fight and I got to watch it with my friend uh, 
um, Nico, who's two years old, right? Jacob and Alyssa's uh, baby. He sat right next to me. We shared a little bowl of popcorn. And we were just hanging out watching the thing. You think he said to me, I want to share with you my ambitions and my aspirations for ministry. He was just like, he's just enjoying the popcorn that God gave him. Children are a blessing. They teach us so much. Just be humble. Just wait on the Lord. Get over thyself. And that's what I have to do too. Get over yourself. Die to yourself, Ryan. Keep dying. Lower. Get low to the ground. Lower still, Ryan. Lower to the ground. I don't deserve one person to hear me. Thank you for joining us today at Lasting Truth Radio. If you're in the area, come out and join us for Sunday services at 8.30 a.m. and at 10.30 a.m. or Wednesday evenings at 7 p.m. We are located at 3035 West Nicollet Street in Banning, California. You can also find us on YouTube or Instagram. If you would like to donate to our program, please do so on our website at ccsweethills.org and hit the online giving tab. We hope you will continue to tune in as we journey through the entire Word of God with the teaching of Pastor Ryan Hussein at Calvary Chapel, Sweet Hills. We don't.